Welcome to All About the Journey podcast, where you'll hear inspiring conversations with Christian leaders from various backgrounds that are making kingdom impact. To connect with us, head over to allaboutthejourneypodcast.com, or you can find us on Instagram at allaboutthejourneypodcast. Now here's your host, Wisdom Moon. Hey friends, welcome to episode three of the All About the Journey podcast. I'm your host, Wisdom Moon, and I'm super excited to uh, have my friend John Mays on this episode. He is one of the legends of Christian music and has uh, discovered and developed so many just amazing artists over the years. And I would say one of the biggest you know christian artist right now lauren daigle uh, he's worked with and continues to work with as her a and r and so he's the vp of a and r at centricity music and has just such a wealth of insight and wisdom no pun intended <laughs> so i'm excited to bring this interview to you um and as we you know get into this uh holiday spirit and get into thanksgiving and Christmas, I want to just encourage you even today to take a moment and let somebody know that you appreciate them and be, be even specific about what you appreciate about them. I know that goes a long way. And, you know, when uh, just recently I received an email like that uh, from a couple of people, I've really just been encouraged by it. So uh, I want to just challenge you with that today. And also, um, if you're an indie artist and want to discover how you can uh, continue to grow and develop as an artist and learn about the different facets of being an indie artist, I want to encourage you to check out IndieArtistUniversity.com, I-N-D-I-E, ArtistUniversity.com. We have uh, some phenomenal courses there that you can Uh, check out and watch and learn about how to book your own tour, um, how publishing works, how to build a brand and brand loyalty and all that good stuff. So head over there and check it out. And um, we have some new things that we're working on as well for that platform. So I want to encourage you to head over and and if you enjoy uh, what we have there, tell a friend. Uh, and without further ado, I want to get into this interview with John Mays. Enjoy. Today, I'm excited to be here with John Mays. Welcome, John. Hey, good to see you, Wisdom. <laughs> and John is the VP of A&R at Centricity Music. And, you know, I actually have to like look up your job title for this podcast because I kind of just think of you as like the Yoda of like CCM, you know? <laughs> I'm uh, old enough to that. that's about it. Uh, you've been around a long time uh, in Christian music and working with a lot of different artists and labels. So um, can you kind of tell us first off, like what A&R is, like what does A&R do? So uh, every, every label has an A&R person or our division stands for artists and repertoire. That's kind of an old term that came out of the 40s mm. when the r- labels realized they needed someone to sort of be their talent scout and oversee the production of the records, which included which songs are going to be recorded.
recorded, then that's the R part, the repertoire part. Yeah. So uh, every label would probably define it differently, what the role is. But I think most most labels would agree on four basic functions. One is the talent scout portion, like mm. we're responsible to find the artist that the label signs. Second is to do the song work, to work with the artist on determining which songs are going to get recorded. Mm. And that's that's probably where we spend most of our time. Okay. which is uh, uh, not just picking the best of the batch at that point that the artist has written, but uh, helping fine tune those for purposes, commercial purposes like radio and streaming and those yeah. kinds of things. Then the third would be overseeing the production of the recording. So hiring a producer, uh, we're responsible for the deadline and the budget mm. uh, and getting the best recording made that we can that expresses the artist's vision in the best way possible. Yeah. Excuse me. And of course that was a, uh, that was always about making records, you know, mm. up until about three years ago when yeah. things started to shift in the streaming world. And now sometimes it just seems like we're always writing and recording. So <laughs> it may be to release two songs or an EP or a mm. single or a whole record, but uh, it's, it's, not necessarily find the right 12 songs anymore and go, let's yeah. go make a record of those. Uh, and then the fourth thing would be the least tangible thing. And it's just uh, maintaining the relationship with the artist. Um, the relationship probably starts with the A&R person because mm. you're the first one to meet the artist. And uh, yeah. the relationship is important with every team member at the label, of course. Mm but it kind of starts with the A&R person and therefore it feels like it falls to the A&R person to maintain it, to make sure the artist is healthy yeah. as best you can. Uh, when something goes south uh, with the, with the artist or in a relationship or something like that, it usually winds up on you somewhere. <laughs> and uh, you know, sometimes you're just a traffic director at that mm. point, but uh those four things, signing the artist, overseeing the song process, overseeing the recording process, and maintaining the relationship, that's pretty consistent across most labels as to what A&R people do. Okay. So how long have you been in an A&R role, and how did you actually get into that? Okay. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, who's still a good friend, his name is Neil Joseph, uh, was a producer in the 80s. Uh, producing a lot of 80 CCM and I was uh, a session bass player here in mm. town at that time and worked a lot for him kind of became his session leader on a, a lot of sessions which meant uh, just writing the charts and and having a closer relationship than just the studio player producer yeah. one and so we, we got to be friends and he uh I had been doing some writing and indie music production uh, on my own. And sometimes I would give those things to Neil just to listen to and critique mm. yeah, as a, a guy who was doing what I might want to do someday. I mm. thought maybe I would be a producer. And uh, he took me to lunch one day and said uh, he had some good news and bad news for <laughs> me. The, the bad news was that he had taken a job which meant he wasn't going to be producing anymore, which was just uh -huh. meant that part of my work was going away. And 
uh, he said, the good news is um, the job I've taken is to head up Word Records here in uh, Nashville. They had a publishing label hmm. or, or a publishing division here in town, but not their label division was still out in Texas, and they were okay. putting it here, and they had selected Neil to run that. Hmm. And he said, I'm going to need to hire an A&R guy, and I think you'd be good at it. Oh, and I had heard of the term, but I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Uh, and so he he kind of saw that in me and called it out. You know, he's one of those kind yeah. of guys. In fact, today he's a headhunter. He works for a headhunter oh, wow. organization. So in a way, he's still doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think you would be a fit here. Or that, wow. You know, I see these strengths in you that maybe you don't even see. You mm. know? And I sure didn't see them. <laughs> uh, and he hired me into my first uh, A&R job at Word, and mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, in 1987. So I've, I've wow. been doing it ever since for different labels. Yeah, you weren't even born, Wisdom. Oh, well, I, I was born, but some of our <laughs> listeners probably weren't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they weren't. <laughs> wow, man, that's a long time to be doing what you do. And yeah. I mean, I, I actually got to work with you at Centricity. Yes. And I mean, it's it's a lot of work to like emotionally. It's a lot of mm-hmm. you know work and a big commitment. And I mean, there's just so many facets to it. Um, and I think it's easy, you know, from my perspective, like it's easy to get jaded, you know, in that role um, sure. and to burn out after a while. So like how have you been able to sustain, you know, your like passion for it and not get yeah. jaded? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I, I don't think I've ever, I've always been a musician. I've always loved music. So the passion for music, you know, is just kind of mm. built in and, it, and yeah. it's never gone away. It has morphed and changed as I mm. have done it for a living over all these years, yeah. instead of just listening to it for sheer joy, you know? Uh, but uh, there's an, uh, the thing you're talking about wisdom is, is a, uh, I think the the result, or at least a byproduct, of trying to combine three things that don't necessarily go together very well. Mm. One, of course, is is art, yeah. good music. One is uh, business, yeah. you know, and one is is faith. In our situation, where we're a faith based music label, well, none of those three need the others. Mm. Uh, no one of those three need the other two to, to exist or to have yeah. a purpose in the world. Uh, but I think God invites some of us to say, let's, let's hold these three things together. Let's mm-hmm. try to make music that is beautiful and meaningful. It also contributes to the bottom line and mm-hmm. it also glorifies God in yeah. some way. So there's just a lot of mess in that, which creates tension yeah. and, uh, anxiety, uh, that I'm certainly, I certainly deal with, mm. uh, all the time <laughs> but uh our mission here at centricity is uh enabling our artists to create life-changing experiences for the world you might mm. remember that it yeah. was on the wall of the building where you were working and i'll tell you that that mission just still inspires me mm. uh and it feels like it always makes it worth it whatever mm. the current daily struggle is or yeah. uh how difficult something might be any piece of what I do, I can reconnect with that, that Mm. mission and feel like 
if this is leading to some experience that our artists will have with someone that results in some sort of life change and just makes the world better because of a life change, yeah. uh, I, I can do that all day long. And, and right. it makes me want to come to work you know, yeah. every day. And I love the people we work with. I love our artist roster. I love our writers. I love our team. You know, that's yeah. pretty great when you can <laughs> say, I get to work with people. I really enjoy being around. Yeah. Uh, that that helps a ton too. So I never would say that it's without just mess, right? Yeah. And that, that there's certainly days you want to throw something through a window. But uh, ultimately, <laughs> when you can reconnect with the, the broader and bigger purpose of why you're doing it, yeah, uh, it will either kind of rescue you or it won't. And for me, it has always kept yeah. me alive. You know. Mm, wow. Yeah, and that, you know, from what you're saying, like really identifying with the mission of the organization sounds really important. You know, to mm -hmm. not burn out and not get jaded, and it really helps you keep the bigger picture in mind. Uh, yeah. maybe the reason some people get jaded or burn out is because they've kind of lo lost that focus and they get, you know, really sucked into the drama sometimes, uh, oh, yeah. dealing with and challenges. Um, and you know, what's been really like awesome is, you know, just like being a part of like the Christian music industry and stuff. Uh, whenever I mention John Mace to somebody, like they literally like, have a big smile on their face and they tell me how much they love you. Like I haven't had they're, anybody they're say. laughing at how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> He's so old. Yeah. I've literally like had nobody ever have anything bad to say about you. Like you have such an amazing reputation for, you know, oh such goodness. a long time. And, um, so I'd love for you to share, um, cause you've worked with so many different people, uh, maybe share a few, of the artists that you know most people will be familiar with that you've worked with or currently are working with. Oh, okay. Well, uh, another dirty little secret of A&R is it's kind of like baseball. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you get up to the plate and hit one pitch out of 10, you, you, if you hit three, you can be in the hall of fame. <laughs> so, uh, and, and most of us don't talk much about our misses. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's always more misses than hits in anybody's mm, yeah. career. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I have been fortunate to, to work with some people who have done well over the years. Uh, my first signing was a girl named Cindy Morgan. Oh, yeah. That was in like 1989. Wow. Uh, first artist I ever signed. And she has continued to be uh, just a beautiful, effective artist across mm. all these years morphing all kinds of styles and, yeah. and different kinds of songs, but just such a gifted person. Yeah. Uh, and to, to get to start with someone as gifted as her, mm. you know, was like, I, I thought, Oh, well, this is great. <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> then, you, then you sign eight more things that nobody ever hears of, you know, but uh, at, during my word years, Cindy was there. Uh, Point of grace was a, a good, uh, did well for the company. Uh, uh, I, I had a an interesting kind of left turn while I was there into they started a country division. Oh, wow. country Christian music was kind of <laughs> popular at that time, and uh, uh, I brought in a guy named Paul Overstreet, who most of your listeners won't have oh, heard of, but he ended up having a successful country career. Mm. Uh, but he was a believer, and 
it was so exciting, you know, to see <laughs> a guy who could go to Dallas and play Diamonds and Dust Club on Saturday night and First Baptist on Sunday morning <laughs> and do the same set. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty great. Wow. Uh, but but he's he's a memory from back then. Mm. Uh, from from I was at Word for eight years and moved to uh, Sparrow uh, from there, and I was uh, there for three years, and that was a really fruitful time uh, where I uh, met Louis Giglio, and mm. and he was starting the whole Passion Conference yeah. thing, and we partnered with him on that. And, uh, obviously, God has blessed that over the years. Yeah. Uh, uh, I met a guy named Matt Redman during yeah. that time, which some of your listeners will know. And uh, working with Matt has been one of the great privileges, you know, mm. of, of my life, and such a joy. Uh, Nicole Nordeman came from uh. that time, uh, and uh, I mean that I, I'm leaving again. I'm leaving out so many people. Yeah. On the assumption that your listeners wouldn't have heard of them, of them unless they're like rabid Christian music fans. <laughs> but uh, then uh, I had a two-year stint after that. Uh, this is too long a story to get into, but uh, Benson had been a, a long-term, one of the traditional major labels in Christian music for yeah. years, has a giant catalog, and it had been bought and sold a lot of times. and. Uh, it was not in good, not in good shape. Yeah. And I got an offer to come uh, be president of Benson and to try to turn it around. Mm. And one of the reasons I got the call is because what brought me to town originally was uh, playing for a band that was signed to Benson oh, okay. and being around it in its glory days when yeah. it was the label in town. Uh, and honestly, wisdom, I thought that was, that was God's, full circle mm. destiny for me at that yeah. time. Like, of course, this is where all this is leading is uh -huh. for me to go yeah. to Benson now and resurrect it. You know, yeah. uh, that did not happen. Mm. Uh, nothing I signed worked at all during that two years. And it coincided. Of course, I went over there in 99 and uh, 99 is when Napster came along. And, oh, the, yeah. and the following three years began the collapse of the industry. And yeah many labels shut down and mm. staffs being laid off everywhere. And, and Benson was one of those. And it was probably right that it, they did close it down at that time. Mm. But uh, after that two years, and uh, I don't know that I signed anyone at Benson that did well at all, but I did, I did not sign Bob Carlisle, mm. but he was there when I got there and uh, the butterfly kisses song yeah. came along at that time. Uh, which honestly I thought was cheesy the first time I heard it. And then when I saw all the money that it generated, I was really happy with it. Uh, so uh, but, but it, that song served a purpose and, and mm. you know, did really well for a long time. Uh, and then through a series of circumstances, uh, you know, centricity was birthed with a family up in Seattle mm. who had never been around music, but, uh, just had a genuine interest in supporting Christian artists mm. and uh, actually started meeting with them and beginning to talk about some ideas about starting a label in 02. Mm. But it ended up being about two years later before we actually released any music and sort of officially got in business. Yeah. And it could, there couldn't have been a worse time 
to start <laughs> any kind of music label yeah. with all that was going on in the industry. But uh, uh, we've we've had a great run here, and we're now uh, well. '06 uh, was our first year to release anything, and now we're 19. So that's what 14 years. Yeah, you do the math. I don't. Wow. I can't. I can't believe we've been around that long. Now. <laughs> but uh, of course, our, our most high-profile artist has been Lauren Daigle, mm. uh, who came along in uh, I think 2013. And we spent about a year in development with her and things have gone amazing with her. We have Jordan Feliz, Unspoken, uh, Jason Gray. We've had Andrew Peterson. Gosh, a whole roster of people that I'm just so proud to get to work around, you know. Yeah. Uh, some, some really gifted people, others known better than others, but uh, yeah. uh, Lauren being our best known artist. So that was a long-winded answer to your Man. question. At my age, I can't give an answer that's not long-winded because right? <laughs> there's all these years. <laughs> that's really amazing. Like, you know, as you're like going through kind of your history, I'm like, I wish I had some of these cassette tapes I bought, you know, when I was young because I <laughs> name on it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like a lot yeah. of the artists you mentioned, they were like some of my favorite artists, you know. And, oh, wow. I mean, I would save up every penny I could and buy cassette tapes at the Christian bookstore and my parents would get mad. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, you know they thought it was a waste of money but like i would literally yeah, buy you know a cassette tape like every week and then yeah. after that and i even worked at a christian bookstore because i loved christian music so much and yes. yeah i bet like your name's on so many of those <laughs> albums yeah i guess um, so albums. for better or for worse <laughs> yeah yeah so like tell us a little bit about like the behind the scenes of what goes on when you're working with you know, high profile artists like a Lauren Daigle, um, you know, like from, you know, her social media and from the stage, um, everything looks pretty, you know, put together and like very, you know, um, like really like high end as far as like the top notch marketing and performances and the best artists and musicians, you know, but like, what is it like to work with somebody like that, like behind the scenes? Well, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to pass a buck here, but I honestly have to say I can't speak that much to the marketing and social media side. Yeah. I mean, that that's not my role here at the company, yeah. and and it's left in people's hands who know much more about that than I <laughs> yeah. do. And I, I totally trust them. Uh, and and some artists, you know, as you know this well, will we will outsource certain functions mm -hmm. of of marketing or social media, but most of the time it's done in house. In Lauren's case, we have just at the beginning of the year partnered with Warner Brothers to uh, market and promote her records mm. to the general market, and so they're doing a lot of that stuff now yeah. uh, for that that piece of the marketplace mm. we still do all the christian music side uh so i'll have to pass on saying what's it like doing that stuff with her uh but from the recording side you know we we had that that fantastic problem of a first record doing well <laughs> uh, it's what you pray for yeah and then when it happens you're like oh no <laughs> we follow this up uh, and th that anxiety and pressure that comes from, yeah, we can't make the same record again. Mm. Uh, 
but we need to make enough of the same record that all these fans that love the first record yeah. will be disappointed. Mm. And that's just always, you're just, uh, I think we second guess stuff so much in those kind of situations. Yeah. And, uh, Lauren is just so awesome and like wanting to roll with it. And I, I can learn a lot from her about, uh, uh, you know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't worry that much. Mm. And uh, I, I believe she's a, just a, a living, breathing example of someone who can so easily cast the care of stuff mm. onto, onto God and not have to be that concerned. I wish I was better at that. <laughs> but uh, we actually started the record, uh, well, our writing for the record in the fall of 2017. Mm. And uh, we did want to kind of expand her circles a little bit in terms of people she was riding with yeah, uh, and not go back to the same well with some of the same people uh, yeah. again, just to see, you know, what, what that might hold for us. Mm. And she spent some time out in LA and uh, I think maybe one trip to New York, just different creative pools, you know, and honestly, not that much came from any of those trips. Mm. Uh, song, at least songs that we would record. Yeah. And sometimes, and you know this wisdom, sometimes you you realize you're writing songs to lead to other songs, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, you might write three songs to lead to another song somehow, yeah. and, and that beat the song. And I, I look at that whole fall of 17 as sort of that kind of mm. process where we were experimenting a lot and not loving what was coming back, but also uh, getting excited about certain aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, that maybe we could wrap in, wrap the record into. Uh, and, you know, uh, a writer we have named Paul Duncan. Mm. Uh, Paul is a lyricist who helps Lauren a lot and uh, had been involved some in the first record. We got Paul here and her producer, Paul Mabry, and her co-producer, Jason Ingram. And those guys just started sitting around at Paul's studio, Paul Mabry's studio. And, I'm telling you, they they would work till three and four in the morning, and songs just started coming. Wow! Like sometimes two and three songs uh, mm. in, in a, across an afternoon and a night. Wow! And I don't know. Within seems like a couple of months, there were probably fifteen really good songs. You yeah. Know, wow. To pick from, and at, and at that point, uh, with with Lauren being where she was in her career development and with Paul and Jason being so pro at what they do. Mm -hmm. Like I, I kept like remembering feeling like my job here is to keep my hands off this. Like don't mm -hmm. try to control this. Right. Uh, Cause that's not typical that yeah. songs just start flowing like that. Mm -hmm. And you're, well, my tendency and a lot, I think a lot of A&R people's tendency would be to start nitpicking and mm. getting in there and trying to do some like micro surgery on, on all the songs. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this was God's help or just wisdom after this many years, pardon the pun, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, like, just keep your hands off of it. Don't try to mm. fix anything here. And uh, for whatever whatever place that came from, it was the right thing. Mm. And uh, then, you know, Paul would just uh, start throwing down a, 
a drum beat and a, like like a bass loop maybe on yeah. something and they would start singing to that and pretty mm. soon you had a vocal on a on a decent track and it all came very organically. Wow. Uh, we brought out a, a background vocalist from LA named Morgan Harper who did every background vocal in three days and blew all of our minds. <laughs> uh, you know, she's singing all the parts, all the wow. background vocal parts on the whole record. It just seemed like all the puzzle pieces started coming together after that night. And I will, I will say something in, in Lawrence to Lawrence credit. I think part of that, all that experimenting, you know, was what kind of song do I want to write? What's, mm -hmm. what's my role now in with the platform that I have to not say the same things I said, I said on the last record, but yeah. what's, what's new for me to say now. And that, ended up in lots of different kinds of songs. But was I think it was in January of 18 when Billy Graham passed away. Mm. And uh, she spent a lot of time kind of mesmerized by the funeral, the memorial services, mm. all the things that people were saying about Billy Graham around the yeah. time of his death. And man, it really had an impact on her and kind of focused her back into just like him, he had his platform and he was faithful to it. Mm. What's my platform and how do I be faithful to it? Yeah. So I, I felt like God used that a lot just to clarify mm. her vision and give it purpose. Yeah. And uh, once that started happening, man, the songs just started coming. Uh, and before we knew it, we had a record's worth of songs. Mm. That I'm not, I'm not saying it was easy, you know, yeah. uh, and, and no one would say that, but it was... It was uh, like something God has given us a special grace here. Let's enjoy this yeah. and enjoy making this record instead mm. of being burdened by, are people going to like it? Uh, and you can never fully escape that, right? Yeah. It's, it's always kind of a voice in the back of your yeah. head. But uh, as much as possible, I feel like we were able to make that record without that weight of, mm. it's not the same record we made last time. Are people going to like it? Yeah. We just we just made the record that the songs said to make. You know, yeah. tried to follow that path, and we got what we got. And I guess people have liked it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every everything she's put out has been like always been sitting on the top ten of Christian, just like <laughs> yeah. nonstop. You know, <laughs> like there's no yeah. break. Uh, so that's been really amazing to see. Uh, what would you say to somebody, you know, like maybe there's somebody listening uh, and maybe they're a younger, like female artist, kind of like Lauren, and they're, you know, maybe you sit down with them for a few minutes, you, you know, meet them at a coffee shop or something. And they say, I want to be the next Lauren Daigle. Yeah. How do I become the next Lauren Daigle? What would you say to that person? Well, of course, <laughs> I would I would give them the grace to uh, say I'm assuming you don't literally mean that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't you don't want to be another somebody else, right? Yeah. Nobody's interested in that, and uh, I, I think when people think that through, they realize that like mm. the world doesn't need another Lauren Daigle or another anybody else that's, yeah. that's out there. And of course, that's one of the big challenges for any creative is. Uh, well, even on our website, I've got a little thing I talk about. It's called How Do I Get Signed? And I sort of give some mm. tips or, or, or basic things that I think we look for. And one yeah. of those is uniqueness. Mm. But I don't 
say uniqueness. I say a qualified uniqueness <laughs> because obviously you don't want to be somebody else that's already out there mm. or try to sound too much like them. And, and of course, so much of what we get is that because they've been so influenced by a certain yeah. artist that they just kind of sound like that artist. And yeah. maybe even if they're not even trying, they've just absorbed so much of that yeah. artist that it just naturally what comes back out. But uh, you, you do want to sound like what the marketplace is doing at mm. that point to some degree. You know, you can't go make polka music. You can't, in our, in our case, you can't go make classical. Nobody in our marketplace list, is listening to that. Mm. But you don't want to sound like everybody else. So there's this weird kind of overlap that you're yeah. looking for, right? I want to sound unique. I want my own stamp, but I don't want it outside the, the marketplace. So uh, that's, that's a tough place to find. So I would probably sit down with somebody and, and ask them what you're doing to try to find that, you know. Mm. If they truly are saying, I want to be the next Lauren Daigle, I would talk them out of that. Mm. I'd, I'd, try, I'd try to. <laughs> but, uh, you know, every, every I do believe everybody's creative and has got something creative to say. They just have to find it and, and dig deep for it sometimes. Uh, I love the, the metaphor that uh, the parable of the talents gives us and that there's so many, there's so many layers to that parable, but... Uh, one of them, at least, is this idea that you you're given something, and you know you look at that first guy who buried his talent, mm. and he brings it back to the master and says, "You can almost hear his heart. Like, I didn't want anything to happen to this. I'm, I'm bringing it back to you just like you gave it to me. Mm. And it's not good for that guy, right? Yeah. This does not please the master. The other two guys." Who one was given less and one was given more. One brought back less, one brought back more, but that wasn't the point. The point mm. was they went out and did something with what they were given. Yeah. And they made more with what mm. they had, were, were, that they were given. So I would probably encourage this person to maybe ask themselves every day, what am I doing with what you gave me? Mm. Wow. What am I doing today with the gift that you gave me? And and you know all too well with some that that doesn't necessarily mean you wrote another song or mm. that you recorded something. I mean, that could be a relationship. It could be reading a book. It could be yeah. taking, going to a conference. It could be a million things to try to improve your craft and uh, enlarge your heart, grow spiritually. All those things contribute to you becoming a better artist. Yeah. So to keep that question in front of you, what am I doing with what you gave me? And if the answer to that is, I'm trying to sound like someone else that's already out there. Mm. That'll probably show itself. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the, uh, the, the futility of doing that will reveal itself, I think yeah. through that process, but to try to go out and do something that's uniquely you, uh, is a worthy quest and mm. something that, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you'll get signed or that yeah. uh, some label or publisher will come along and want to partner with you, but that's only a tiny piece of what you're doing. Right. Mm. Uh, if you think about all the, all the uses for music in the kingdom, yeah. I mean, the Christian music industry is maybe this much <laughs> of that, you yeah. know, and if you could just reach out as wide as you possibly could, that's, yeah. that's the kingdom. Mm. And, 
to teach sixth graders music or to volunteer at a nursing home and sing songs. That's important kingdom work with the gift that you have. So yeah. it's not as celebrated in our culture, but uh, it'll be interesting to see in eternity what gets celebrated. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's really good stuff, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that, um, uh, that I was reminded of, um, there was, I don't know if you were in the office at the time or not, but <laughs> I was at Centricity, you know, just like working and all of a sudden there was some random person that came into the house that we were, you know, working out of yeah. and they basically brought their CD <laughs> gave it, you know, to the front desk yeah. and was trying to pitch themselves. Um, I think that's a great example of like what not to do, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think yeah. we literally like after the guy left, we all started cracking up, you know? <laughs> so yeah. like that guy, for... <laughs> that guy's name, actually, uh, his name is Gary and he still comes around. Was Really? He found us after we moved to a new space. Wow, and, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's just, uh, and he, he's doesn't really expect anything to come from that. And maybe in a way that's how he's answering that question. Mm. You know, maybe I'll, <laughs> at least I can take, but you're right. That's not the way to get. Uh, 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 I, and I will say to that end, uh, cause everybody's always asking, well, what is the yeah. way? And I don't know that there is a way, but, uh, if, if someone knows you wisdom, that's mm. an independent artist out there. And they give some music to you and you pass it along to me. It, it immediately has some credibility attached mm. to it that them walking in the front door are, yeah. are sending our general account, email account, yeah. uh, a link. Yeah. It doesn't have, it doesn't yeah. mean it's, it's better or worse, but no A&R person has the time to filter through all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. So you're constantly sort of, you give more attention to the things that have some credibility linked to them. Yeah. And that's why every Monday we have a and meeting and most of the things we listen to have been passed on to us from somebody, mm. uh, you know, a, a friend in the industry that we trust or uh, yeah. another artist or manager or an agent or any of those people and building relationships with those kinds of people is as important as making good music to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. So really like, the word of mouth approach, uh, building the right relationships and yeah. letting it naturally happen. Yes. And, and I would now include in that, and this is relatively new, what, two or three years old now that social media has become a real, a, a, a big component in all mm. that. Uh, we, we're not quite, uh, as sophisticated in this area as some other A&R departments are, uh, especially in, in the general market, but there are now A&R departments with two and three A&R people who only do research. So they've built platforms unique for them that aggregate social media numbers, wow. uh, number of streams, number of shares, number of likes, huh. uh, uh, followers, and you can slice and dice this data all kinds of ways. Wow. And these guys don't even listen to music. They're just looking at numbers. Wow. And they're, and they're coming into the AR meeting saying, this person is blowing up. This band Man. had a a 500% increase in Instagram followers after they dropped this single. You guys should pay attention to this. Wow. Uh, we, we have not gotten anywhere close to that, but it would not be f fair to, 
and it would be it would be unfair if I didn't say that uh, we do pay attention to that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And yeah. usually, while we're listening to music in a meeting, we're mm-hmm. looking at their social media stuff. Yeah, and uh, you get a sense from that, like, well, they haven't updated anything in the last eight months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not much going on here. Or uh, look, I mean, this person is active. I mean, we we saw a. A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at an artist who had their Instagram account. You know how there's there's three tiles of pictures mm-hmm. uh, across. Yeah. Somehow, and this had to take so much work. All the left pictures were a certain tone of color. Yeah. The center was a different tone, and the right was a different tone. Well, it mm-hmm. grabbed your eye like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of beautiful. This guy's Instagram site without even looking at any yeah. <laughs> any of the pictures. Uh, <laughs> It just tells you that somebody cares about it and is is updating and serious about their platform, yeah. social media. So that's certainly a big, and I would even say growing component to all this mm. now that uh, we're we're always looking at numbers. And I I say this all the time: if you've got two hours of your week to dedicate to doing something to grow your your artistry write a song mm. there's no there's no better return on investment time-wise than writing songs because yeah. everything's about songs if you have great songs and terrible social media we'll take the songs anyway, <laughs> you know? yeah uh, th- and that's just i think that's pretty standard advice across most mm. music biz but uh don't at the same time don't forsake good use and stewardship of these platforms now that you have because people are looking at them to make important decisions about Mm. what you have going on. Yeah. And I think, you know, just what you do intentionally on your social media and your website, it shows how seriously serious you are about your craft Mm -hmm. too. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that really speaks to that. And I mean, um, can you recall like how many artists or songs I've pitched to you since I've known you? I think that number would be zero. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because not because I can't, but because right. I know the bar is high, and I've had a lot of people ask me, "Hey, can you pitch this to people you know in publishing or A and R?" And I, I say, "Sure, let me listen to it." But like, I know the standard, and yeah. I'm not going to pitch anything that doesn't meet that standard. Yeah, I mean, you're. You know, you're working with Lauren Daigle. Like, it's, it's got to wow me for me to pitch it to John Mays. And it's got to wow him. Like, you listen to so much more music, you know, that people are submitting than I do. So I yeah. know, like, how busy you are and how bombarded you are with music. So I think that's the part that a lot of times people don't even think about is, like, from your perspective and your position, you know, how much you're bombarded with stuff. and yeah. Um, and you know, I think that's just like courtesy to think about those things before just like randomly mass email, emailing your music to different labels. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I I, I do want to say to that though, don't not do that because you don't think your stuff sounds like Lauren Daigle stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. no one, none of us expect that out of a demo from, from an artist. Yeah. Uh, and Part of our job, if we're doing it well, is to identify that seed, you mm-hmm. know, the, the little the flame that if if it's there and we can do something with it, uh, we don't 
we don't expect it to come in polished and yeah. uh, and you know the best song that we've ever heard. Uh, that's incredibly rare. Uh, yeah. Lauren did not come in that way. Not right. you know, very few artists come in that way. Yeah. But but what you're trying to do is find the core thing that mm. oh, there's something special there. Yeah. And if we can nurture that thing, then maybe something beautiful will come out of it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Uh, and I think, you know, just the fact that like Lauren, like, you know, when I was at Century City, you know, mainly she was putting out cover videos on YouTube and starting yeah, to write They're songs. still up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that is important to keep in mind is, I mean, you're, you are looking for something very unique and special um, mm-hmm. that stands out. So the diamond in the rough. <laughs> so. Always looking for it. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for uh, sharing some time with us. I mean, I could sit with you for hours and listen to you talk because <laughs> there's so much there, like so much wisdom. <laughs> no pun intended. Well, uh, you need to uh, you need to get back to town so we can go eat some more soul food. And yes, I'm, about, I'm not talking about Seoul, Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, before you go, can you share with us maybe some stuff that you're currently excited about that you're working on that's not top secret? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Two new records uh, that I'm working on, one from Jason Gray and one from Unspoken uh, that I think are the the best work these guys have done. Awesome. uh, And are all labors of love. I mean, long processes. I think Jason has written almost 80 songs. Wow. For, for this record and you know we'll be releasing them a little at a time mm. we didn't even get into that <laughs> wild wild west of releasing things yeah on streaming <laughs> platforms but uh excuse me uh i'm so proud of him and, and for some of these songs and and same with unspoken they just work so hard mm. and i think the the proof will be in the pudding you know when people hear the music uh, i have a, a co-worker in a and r uh, matt ewald who you need to meet sometime but, oh, I know, uh, Matt. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Matt's <laughs> working on some exciting new stuff. Uh, we ju- we've just signed a new guy named Chris Renzema, who's a, a singer-songwriter from Michigan that lives here now. Came came out of the YWAM tradition. Oh, yeah. And there's just a lot of good buzz going on around him that we haven't had much to do with. But, mm. uh, in fact, he's he's only been signed about two months now. Oh. We're just now starting to work on music. Uh, we have a new girl named Katie Hurst. Yeah. who is a blast. She's a, I don't even know how to describe her. She's some <laughs> sort of out of born out of time, 80s. Uh, she's skateboarder and wears vans and, <laughs> uh, and loves fun music. And, yeah. you know, when we were first listening to her, it's like, we don't do, Christians don't do fun very well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And certainly Christian music doesn't do fun very yeah. well. And, we just wanted to give that a platform. She does it really well. Mm. She's got a brand new song we were finishing yesterday called Doing All the Things. Uh, you're doing all the things they said could not be done. Mm. So uh, uh, it's, it's got horns on it. It's fun. And it's <laughs> it's soul mixed with 80s pop. And it's just really fun. Wow. So we got a lot of things brewing. We got a, a band out of California called For All Seasons yeah. that is releasing a track a month this year for mm. all year and so each two tracks will be a contrasting uh, a contrast on an idea like a uh, strength and weakness mm. joy and sorrow and so every two songs are the opposite ends of a certain experience mm. that anybody might have 
And I'm so proud of them for working so hard, even to conceive that vision. Yeah. It's great. You know, so we're, we're just now uh, three months into that, but they're working really hard. I mean, it's a, it's a commitment to say, mm. We, have, we are going to tell people we're going to release a song a month. That means yeah. we've got to write them and record them. Yeah. Uh, so lots of exciting things That's out awesome. from, from this space. Yeah, very cool. Um, and if you want to find out more, you can visit centricitymusic.com. And while you're there, I encourage you to look at John's bio because it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> and even one of your photos is pretty entertaining. On there. I, I need to go look at it again and see what's on there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know, I'll wrap, to... I know I wrap myself in the Texas flag. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Texan. Yeah, and it's cool the way you guys even you know present your staff. Uh, you get to kind of really get to know each person, you know, and what makes Good. them unique and special, and uh, it makes it really do you know feel like a family feel uh, what you guys do and um, like a really tight knit team that loves to have fun. <laughs> so. We do. Yeah. We're, we're fortunate to get to have these people around us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. Wisdom. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for listening to All About the Journey podcast. Head over to allaboutthejourneypodcast.com to find show notes to this episode and listen to previous interviews. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so others can discover this and be inspired.